0: you would turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, so the sermon reading will be the entire chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, it's on page 703 in your pew Bibles. The sermon text will be verses 1 through 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, starting at verse 1, this is the Word of God. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new? It it has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, all that is under the heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving, a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Thus far, the reading of God's Word, may He add His blessing to it. Well, I think it's fair to say that we are all accustomed to a degree of normality in life. It's almost cliche now, but I think the COVID pandemic has really shaken up our lives, more or less. doesn't matter where you live, around the world, it's it's been a very difficult season. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have lost jobs. We've become underemployed. it reminds us of the unpredictability of life, that life is is a riddle. Perhaps more than ever before, we grasp for that, that wisdom uh, that the writer to the Proverbs holds out to us and we perhaps don't enjoy taking a look at the book of Ecclesiastes. It doesn't quite seem to fit in. Ecclesiastes is like that, that bone that you don't catch in your mouthful of food and then it gets stuck or it hurts on the way down. Ecclesiastes is like that speed bump in the road or that pothole if you're from Africa and you're trying to dodge them you buy that house and you just to discover after closing escrow that there's water in the foundation. Well, beloved, the message this evening is one of wisdom. Wisdom that's ultimately cruciform, but it, it, it is served up to us on a platter, if you will, of vanity. And what does the writer here in the first three verses of Ecclesiastes, mean when he exclaims, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It could be more comfortable for us if we could just excise Ecclesiastes because of the, the tone of perplexion, the consternation that the writer has. And if we're honest, it resonates with us as well. We can perhaps be ashamed to have those kinds of feelings, to have the cognitive dissonance that life can bring. Is this sub-Christian? Is this something I shouldn't feel and experience? Well, I do believe Ecclesiastes is in the canon for a reason. We can vent. We can be vexed. In fact, the experience of vanity that is very real in life, and I'll try to help you get a better grasp on that in the minutes to come if you don't already understand what the writer means here, that vanity should drive us to the cross of Jesus Christ, the one who has vanquished it through his person and work. Well, to try and unpack for you, for us to try and come to some kind of definition of what this vanity is, I think it's, it's multi-layered, and I want to give you a couple of those layers this evening. I'm not trying to be comprehensive. I think the entire book of Ecclesiastes needs to be preached and, and it needs to be received to, to absorb the fullness of what—we're not exactly sure uh, who the author was— well, who's being referred to here as well? It's likely a, a, a fictional king, a fictional King David or King Solomon. Uh, but the message remains valid and important back then and endures into today. And so let's, let's consider in verses 2 and 3 where we get this in, just raw introduction to this book of wisdom. Remember the other books of wisdom, Proverbs, Job, Song of Solomon, at least in the Old Testament. And then we have the cruciform wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ that comes through with such power and beauty in the New Testament. Now, one level I want, uh, one layer I'd like to submit to you exists in this idea of vanity. All is vanity under the sun. You know, what kind of gain is there? from our toil. Well, if we consider the work that Adam and Eve were given before the fall in the Garden of Eden, they were made in the image of God. They were created upright, holy. They were to build a temple. They were given a work, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth they uh, were well adam was to take the lead in being a priest and to to sanctify that temple he was to exercise strict justice no intruder should be on the premises but we know how that ended under the sun that god had created Adam and Eve lost a kingdom. They were to go on to a higher state of existence in the age to come. God held out to them glory. They did strive in perfection for a while, but they fell. They believed the lies of the evil one. And so it ended in a kingdom lost. It ended in dissatisfaction. It ended in... Now, toiling amidst thorns and thistles. The woman having to endure the pain of childbearing. And we all know something of that, don't we? We know the pain. It's no longer work in order to gain that sabbatical rest, it's now toil. It's sweat, it's tears. Now, it's important to remember, I think, just to put at the back of our minds, it's not as if the created order in itself being embodied is evil. It's that we have a will now that is twisted and perverted. But God has seen to it that East of Eden, that this cultural mandate keeps going forth, and, and we work and we toil alongside of unbelievers, we make culture, we build cities, we build nations, and I want to give you a sampling of of that kind of we could call it wisdom that we are to live by as we go about our vocations. This house building, this city building. So here is the wisdom of the writer to the Proverbs, Proverbs chapter two, verse six and following. That's giving you a sampling here. I'm not going to read. It's, it, it's a long set of stanzas. For the, for the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth. F, sorry, excuse me. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up wisdom, sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. I'm stop there. That's giving you a sense, of the, I think one way to describe it is the cause and effect nature of the wisdom set of, set forth in this important part of the Bible. There's this cause and effect. You live an upright, just life and you will be rewarded. I think we can all relate to this. Whether we are an employee or an employer, whether you're a child in school, you do good work and you are rewarded. You fail if you don't follow the example of the ants and be industrious. And you're lazy, you will eat the bread of your lack of diligence. How about Proverbs chapter 16 verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. We like to hear that, don't we? We like like the, the symmetry of that. We like the comfort of, I know what to do, And then this will follow. We like to hear about equity. We like to hear that that indeed outcomes are predictable. But we know that it is impossible as we build cities and nations, as we, we take care of our vocations, that that does not usher in the kingdom of heaven. Certainly, we labor by faith unto the glory of God, and we store up treasures in heaven. But the writer writer of Ecclesiastes is getting to the vanity of labor under the sun. And so, I've, I've set things up by referring to Proverbs So that you can see the contrast here. It's quite stark. It's quite shocking, actually. Let me read to you verse 18 again. For in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. How about chapter 3, verse 16? Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice even there was wickedness. And in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. Chapter 4, verse 1. Again I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. Now, I live in a part of the world where there is perhaps more injustice in your face on a daily basis. Certainly not downplaying the, the turmoil you experience here in Southern California. I suspect it's more covert, more hidden on a daily basis. We see people on the this, on this side, the street corner, who are begging, who, in, in, in the cold of winter, we have, we have prostitutes and drug traffickers literally a few hundred meters from our houses we have incredible poverty, right next to incredible wealth, just the disparity between the rich and the poor. We have a government that, that plunders the tax rands that are given to them, defrauds the people. I'm sure these, these have resonances with you as well. We are living... In times where there is great oppression and injustice all around but it can be easy to forget that especially if things seem to be going well in our families in our work and we have this oasis in the desert if you will in the church but there there comes the speed bump again there's the pothole there's the water under the foundation of the house because vanity continues to vex us because of the curse, because of Adam's sin. There's this vanity that everyone is subjected to under the sun. So I think in one way to describe this vanity is that it turns on its head the wisdom of Proverbs. And what I mean by that is You don't always see justice being done. God has established civil government, Romans chapter 13. How often does government not follow through on its calling? You do a good job for your boss, and then you get let go. You're perhaps a whistleblower. You've done the right thing, and you get ostracized. You raise your child well. You feed your child. You, you do what you're called to do, and then your child gets sick. He gets a terminal disease. Where's the justice in that? I think what the wisdom or the, the turning of wisdom on its head, this vanity in Ecclesiastes, has to do with the limits of our ability to work and toil under the sun in this present evil age. It's full of contradictions. There are ways that God moves that are inscrutable. It's a conundrum. How can this be? Yes, indeed, there is is much we can do in this life that's enjoyable and there are gains to be made, but it's ultimately in this life. Like vapor, like a mist, like a mirage, you grasp it for a time and then it's gone. Death is, is the final word, unless the Lord takes us before Life is on that journey to the dust for us. This is what the writer to the writer of Ecclesiastes is getting at, and it's disconcerting. Even the word, the the, the Hebrew word here, "hevel," is 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 a it's onomatopoeia. It's it's it's. The, a, a word being, being used to describe a, a sound that's, that's associated with that word. It's, it's, it's like wind. Blowing of air. I mean, think about wind, and it's mentioned in, in Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. We all feel it. We can see its effects, but we can't quarantine it. We can't hold it. We cannot... We cannot grasp it and dominate it and control it. And in that sense, that's what we all come up against in this life. It's not, certainly not all that we experience in life. But it is, again, part of the riddle. And it can create a lot of anxiety and it can create depression. But it is most certainly, beloved, not the final word on wisdom for us as believers. We are to have proverbial wisdom. We are to have the wisdom that's set forth for us in Ecclesiastes in order to navigate this life. But most importantly, we are to indwell. We are to meditate upon the wisdom that has come in Jesus Christ. And the thing about that is to an unbelieving world, vanity hides that victory that Jesus has wrought. If you saw Jesus going about his life as a carpenter in his vocation, not, not hailing from a very impressive city, not a great vocation, and he just went about his calling, fulfilling the moral law of God, embodying wisdom and people looked on and thought how vain he's going he's suffering he's look at him on the cross and here is god in his son jesus christ conquering vanquishing vanity that has come through sin and the curse for through the mysterious work of god in his son suffering and dying and being raised again, you and I can have confidence, we can have hope, we can have strength when that vanity of life is felt. You could wake up tomorrow morning, struggle to get out of bed. You don't know what's going to happen on the road, in the workplace, with your child in the evening. But brothers and sisters and children, the good news of the gospel, the comfort that we can bank on, is that there is someone greater than the preacher being referred to here, someone greater than King David, our Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word, wisdom infleshed, who has come and who has established, who has built through his work, an eternal house. I think this is being predicted in Ecclesiastes 5.1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of the Lord. To draw near, to listen, is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. We are in the Lord's house today, right now, and we uh, can have confidence that though the world, which is spoken of in Psalm forty nine twenty, man in his pomp, yet without understanding, is like the beasts that perish. We are not like them. For it is spoken of in Psalm twenty three, six, our lot, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 2 Corinthians 5.1, speaking of this great inheritance that is imperishable. For we know, 2 Corinthians 5.1, we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And so, as we go forth this coming week, bearing the image of Christ, recreated in Him, we can labor, we can work amidst the mystery, the conundrums, the vanity, knowing that we are laying up treasures in heaven, even though it's hidden from the world, and it may seem quite unimpressive by the standards of this present evil age. Be of good courage, brothers and sisters and children. Keep fighting the good fight and running the race the Lord has set before us. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this word, not an easy word. We don't like to level with the kind of vanity that there is around us and felt within us. But help us always by faith to move beyond, in and through the one who has conquered not only vanity, but sin, death, and hell on our behalf. Be particularly with those saints here in this house of God that are struggling, that are in pain, whose lives seem to be in disarray. May they know that you are good, that in fact you work all things together for good. And you've guaranteed that in your son forgive us of our unbelief empower us to go forth as more than conquerors we ask in Christ's name Amen our song of application is from Psalm 119 page 119 e stanzas 1 through 4